PhD is an adventure, an odyssey into knowledge for which you must prepare. If you want tips, news, and a little humor about the PhD and about career readiness, that's what I bring you every two weeks here on PhD Dojo. News, tips, grad school stories, listener questions. Here you'll find everything to be a black belt at the PhD and beyond. Welcome to the dojo. Hi, Gad. Hi, David. Happy to be live again with you for this PhD dojo yeah. uh, in the middle of summer. Uh, a lot of people are on vacation, but hey, let's keep this conversation going. Let's keep answering these questions because there's always someone out there waiting for answers to their questions. And, and uh, I think the question you bring this week is really, really important and uh, interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a major question about when to start to look for a job, what, 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 is, what is good for me outside of academia or, mm-hmm. or even, even inside of academia, because we already talk about it, like all the things that we will talk about today is, is for everybody. So to not stick to the bench, for example. Mm-hmm. So, so the question is from uh, Matt Campea. Uh, Matt uh, is a student at McMaster University, is a mentee uh, at the second lab. And um, the question that he, that he brings is, uh, what are the mistakes that people in academia or people during their PhD, master's or postdoc are doing to prevent them to go to their future career? could be industry, it could be government, it could be non-for-profit organization. Mm-hmm. But what are the things to not do in academia that prevent you for a great career? I found this I found this question really interesting because often people ask, what do I do for this? How do I get to that? And here, uh, Matt is asking, what, what are the mistakes? What should I not do? Or what do people usually do that prevents them from having fruitful job transitions after their PhD, even to, towards their, their postdoc? But Anyway, here we're talking about leaving academia. What's blocking people once they get to that uh, those first interviews in industry? And I found it was a really, really interesting question. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, thank you, Matt. And I think I think the first thing that comes to my mind is networking. So to not to network. I think this is the first thing. So keeping um, in our own environment, lab uh, space, going to conference and speaking with your uh, PhD friends staying with your peers that's great that's a that's a great stuff to to make this kind of networking because it's networking but also go outside of that and meeting different kind of people diverse people uh it's it's very important too if you want to go uh if for your career so meet new people is very great this is exactly what came to my mind when the question popped up with mm-hmm. which is uh, like Putting it in another way, you know, you go down the rabbit hole of your PhD and then you just come out for uh, for air at the end, uh, having stayed only within your, your research object, uh, within your, your lab or your institute, and, and not having somehow had conversations with people from other domains, from, you know, nearby departments, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, so just, just to dig a little, to drill down a little bit on this question. Um, one of the things that I uh, imagine as ways to have these conversations with people who have profiles different than you 
It can start by uh, keeping an eye out for uh, seminars that are not in your um, in your domain, but are still in your department, maybe, or in your, your university. Do you have other suggestions of, you know, how do I how 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 do I as a you know bio you know biological sciences uh, graduate student get to meet people in the social sciences, for example? Yeah, of course. So uh, in inter departments or uh, between departments, but also I'm thinking about conferences. Conferences is a good good place to, to network. This is made for that. This That's the reasons why we continue to have in-person conferences. I think it's to meet people in real, in for in-person. So, so in conferences, you always have the conference, in a scientific conference. So you have the conference, the, the talk, and that thing, but you have also the industry booth. So you mm-hmm. have a place where you have all these industry people. Just go there and try to make connection first and continue to network with, with them. But basically what networking is, is it just not only making connection, is it just building genuinely a relationship with somebody? Mm-hmm. I think this is what networking is. So if you just connect with somebody on LinkedIn, it's not really networking. You just have to talk a little bit with this person or interact with this person uh, by writing or by talking. Um, so this is really what networking is. It's building genuinely, a, 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 and I, I insist on the genuinely, like uh, a, um, you, you should be authentic when you build this relationship. This is what networking, I think, is. So, so I think I, I think what, you know you're talking about how how to be genuine and how to be authentic, and one of the things that uh, that uh, comes to mind, and I, I kind of mentioned this idea of starting your PhD and then you know never looking up until year until last year, and I think genuine relationships are are built uh, through time. You can't yeah. build an authentic and genuine and and, and deep relationship. In uh, in one connect, you know, like you said, in one conversation or in in one weekend. So th- I just wanted to add one thing to 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 add to add this aspect of temporality, which is this should start early in your graduate researcher career. If you wait for the last year to have those conversations, they'll be clumsy, they'll be uh, um, uh, transactional because you kind of you want something out of them. And uh, one way to be uh, or to 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 appear authentic or to have conversations that are natural in a way that's another way to to put it and that are not artificial is to start having them when you're you, when you don't want anything out of them you just want to meet the person or you were mentioning uh, talking with people uh, from the industry booth just ask them hey how does someone with a profile like mine fit in an organization an organization like yours but you're not looking for a job you just want to start a conversation. So start early. That that would be the thing I would add uh, to that aspect. Yeah, this is how we build a conversation when you go to a party and you meet somebody and you start talking and that's 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 it, you know. It's not a party, but it's it's a professional relationship. Um my my be- best uh, example of that is my hairdresser. You know, okay. when you go to your hairdresser, she just just cut uh, your hair and you and you you leave and that's finished, but she starts doing the conversation with you. And and when you come back six months later, because your 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 hair are like mine, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you come back to it, she, she said, like, how's 
how's your wives going? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> or, uh, you, how was your vacation uh, at, in Florida or, or anywhere, you know? Because she remembers. And, yeah, she remembers. And, and you're just like, okay, how she remembered this? So, so there's different way to do it. Uh, you can have some... Uh, tips uh, and I, I had this talk with my hairdresser for example mm -hmm. <laughs> this conversation with my hairdresser to build relationship and she she told me like well i i have a good memory <laughs> so mm -hmm. well i i'd say uh, and I, i you know i know it's a misnomer but it's a muscle that you can that you can work uh, a lot of us uh, in my in my case you know i i'm an introvert and and uh, you know I, it's not easy for me to go and have and just engage conversation with someone I don't know. But uh, like after three years, almost yeah, it's almost three years of Papa PhD. Uh, uh, like almost day day for day uh, as we're recording here. But uh, almost three years of this has really kind of strengthened that muscle in me, mm -hmm. and and now it's something that I can do. And I'm sure that this this. Um, Uh, this I think of remembering names or remembering you know details that someone shared with you months ago. I think practice also has to to do with uh, with it. So start early, and uh, and you'll be you'll get better at it. Even if the first conversations are awkward, don't worry about it. Yeah, and in companies you have uh, that's another type of grounded conversation. If we can go deeper, but in companies oh, yeah. you have uh, a tool named a CRM. A CRM is exactly for that in the beginning. So uh, a CRM helps you to remind the people you contacted uh, and if they like uh, flowers, <laughs> you know. So, uh, so uh, and the next time you meet them, yeah, how was your flowers, you know, how was your, your gardening? So, so it's, it's, it's something like that. So it's a sales and marketing tool, but it can be used for that. It could be an Excel file where you have all the people you met or, something like that but it's a muscle as you said it's a muscle to it's a skill basically and the skills comes from um, practice knowing, practice practice expertise <laughs> etc etc yeah so so we talked about about this general idea of networking and and i feel that mostly like if there's one thing that that you can do one mistake that you can do is Uh, to not network but uh i know that we were talking before and you have other like more detailed examples of things that that you are either doing or not doing that mm -hmm. might be hurting your transition to what comes after uh after after your your graduation uh, or transit whenever you transition from academia to to outside can you dig a little deeper in that on that yeah there's other things like uh another thing is is the skill development so So you can stay. You can do your PhD, for example. You do your PhD, you start your PhD, you go to the lab, you you do your experiment, uh, or you you doing a literature review, or or you you do your your PhD, your PhD subject. You go deep into it. You do experiment. You find results, etc. And at the end, uh, when you do all that work, everybody would be happy and will publish etc and you will have your phd and you leave and basically this is the, the the minimum that you should do for having your phd is making your your lab work mm -hmm. but, but the thing is is if you stick too much to the bench or the the, the lab work um well you don't develop the skills that are required for your future job uh not all the skills of course research will 
learn you some of the skills. Uh, they will uh, because you you this PhD, but basically more PhD. It's the only way to learn skills by research for research, which is a way to learn skills. But let's say that you figure out that you are very interested about business and finance. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty hard to learn it by doing a PhD in a lab in science or in humanities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so basically, this is it. Just look for the skills that you want for the job that you would like to do or you aim or your goal and go to find the course, uh, go to find the way to practice it. Um, I can give you an example. Maybe you are very interested about managing a team. Mm -hmm. So why not um, taking a little bit of your time to be involved in the um, in a student organization to organize conferences, for example. That's a basic example, but if you are the president of your this of this this organization, you just manage a team. That's man team management. So that's one of the example. Mm -hmm. That that's a, a nice example because it's it's uh, you you're doing that within the scope of being a graduate student uh, and and. Uh, so it's it's it can be part of the experience. Of course, not everyone can can do that or can be the the president of uh, the student association or, or whatever. But yeah, so taking part in projects, I understand. But uh, are you also suggesting like getting uh, training outside? You know, on your own time. Let's say project management is also something uh, uh, like that. Can people can train? Or or specific, you know, learn specific uh, programming languages that you know will be needed later on. So, is this also part of of what you're suggesting? Yeah, it it really depends of how deep you want to go. So today, there's a lot of platforms where you can learn things by yourself. Uh, you can read books. Um, you can take a course uh, if you if you want to take it, and also. It opens to new opportunities, new way of thinking about the skill uh, that you want to do uh, or not. Um, so, so yeah, I think I think it's a, it's a suggestion depending on how deep you want to go with this uh, these things. So, I think it's a it's a, it's a PhD is an opportunity to learn, just not only about your topic, your PhD topic, but also about other things. I would suggest that you know because and if we're considering people within the PhD, it's true that part of the opportunity is just the fact of being a student enrolled in a, in a university and a graduate school, and often there are resources and there are courses offered. So be very conscious of everything that's offered. If you're you there's a, you know you want to work in this industry or that industry, go look at what uh, the job postings look like. And try to see, okay, what have I, what from what I've done in my PhD so far, and 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 I always like people to consider the PhD as not just an educational uh, journey, but also a professional one. So of all I've done in my PhD, what what can I tick in this job job posting, and what can't I tick? And then from those things that are there are gaps to look look into what's offered. Because, uh, you know, we know graduate students already are very busy, but see what's offered that can 
while you're in university and you, you're offered these things uh, w- that you can take advantage of them. You know, a course in programming, a, uh, I don't know, a mini course on, uh, on project management, things like keywords that you see that pop up in different job postings and that you don't have yet, but but that are offered by university. Don't miss those opportunities because you can always go get those outside, but th- then you start having to, to, leave, to leave campus and also pay for those. So need to be careful on 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 uh, on managing your energy and also your finances on the, on that side. I guess. Yeah, that that comes exactly with the next topic that I would like to say as just like, for example, saying yes to everything, <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, to every opportunity. Is like okay, um, there's there's a, also a, a misconception in academia that the more you do, the better you are. So the more publication you have, the better scientist you are which is i think a misconception um but let's say for example you have a lot of opportunities you will have a lot of opportunities during your phd anyway but to write articles to do this but you, you just have to wondering is it is it something that would i would like to spend time and energy into it uh it does it does it fit with the focus that i would like to bring to my phd and my uh, because PhD is your research, but also your you building your skills for your future career. I think the PhD is for that. So, um, so is it something that I would like to do, just because for for saying yes to everything? Mm-hmm. Uh, but is it something that I would like to do because I would like to focus and add values to that? And and the other thing is is if you say yes to everything, uh, and you 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 said yes because you want to help somebody or that there's many reasons, um, it doesn't help very much because you will be overwhelmed and you don't help yourself and it will you will be overwhelmed. You will spend time and energy on on something but finally you will not be able to deliver so finally you don't help so this is something that happens to many people in phd like saying yes to everything um i was one of them <laughs> so so this is a, this is a, if if i have to come back in the past and doing my phd i will just keep some stuff so this is one of uh, one of the things that I, I would list, I would like to say about this topic. This that you just said really made me think of, of a reflection I've had in the past. Mm-hmm. So this thing about not saying yes to everything. Uh, it, it first, the thing, the first thing that came to mind was an image like if your PhD is a sculpture that you're doing. Let's say that you're 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 sculpt you're creating this uh, sculpture of your you know your career. Uh, your your young researcher career you need to be you know it's very it takes a lot of your energy a lot of your time a lot of your your mental power and it's true that if you uh say yes to everything you end up putting things on the sculpture that don't fit well with it that will take time to install to uh to you know uh, to to tend to and then in the end they they won't count for what you want to project as a young professional candidate for a job because it it doesn't make sense with your your vision for yourself your values etc. I I really really agree with that. So be very 
thoughtful about that. And the second thing that, that came up was this reflection I've had in the past, which is we are not taught when we're in grad school to value our time. And I exactly. think I, w- I would go to the extreme of saying we are taught to not value our time. So you're here, you, you, if you, you are asked to do something, you, you owe it to uh, whatever, you know, to the structure to say yes and to, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, put it all in there to make the, the project go forward. And I think that today in 2022, we must, uh, you know, every graduate student and, and graduate researcher should um, feel entitled to give to valuing their time. And this re- relates to what you said in the following way, which is if I really, if I'm really intentional and, and conscious of the value of my time, I will know when to say no, because I'll say, this is not a good investment of my time. In five years, this will actually have been a negative. It'll be a negative in my Excel sheet of time well spent or not well spent on projects. Uh, and and if you go if you go into the private uh, uh, sector, th- this is part of I think the mentality, which is we let's say we start this project, it's not working. Let's drop it and go to something else. Anyway, I'm making different connections here, but this idea of feel entitled to say my time has value and uh, I'm entitled to say no to things because they don't bring anything to my professional life project. This is ex- exactly this. So you, of course, when you are a student, you can stretch your time work as you wish. But if you work in industry or in a company, it's 35 hours per week, it's 40 hours per week. You can work a little bit more, but is it worth to do to work a little bit more? Um, sometimes yes, sometimes no. If you work sixty hours a week, doesn't worth to to mm-hmm. do it's it. Case by case, yeah. It's case by case, but uh, but anyway, when you you are in a, in an industry and 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 the company is going well, you have a lot of projects that's coming, and and you just have to say like, okay, I have all these opportunity to to have. How can I put in in thirty five or forty hours per week? Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it's impossible. So you just have to say, well, "I'm not interested to this. I will skip this one, and I will take the things that I'm okay with that because it it follows the mission of the company better, or it fit better with with the the thing." So, so I think this mentality, as you said, like should be learned uh, in a, in a, in academia. Um, because uh, we tend to take everything that comes to us. So, which yeah. then brings another problem, which is when you you have those first conversations about a, a, a position, about pay, you often undervalue yourself because that's what you learned during graduate school. But that's that's another another uh, <laughs> uh, bag of worms. But now, so let's go to the, this. This this last kind of segment of this uh, of what not to do uh, when you're in academia or what you know what you're doing that's kind of preventing you from having a fruitful transition uh, outside academia later on. And you were mentioning innovation, and I'm I'm really curious to hear about that because you're you're the innovation guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, about like uh, think about your PhD as as a project that 
value somebody in the society or have an impact to the society for a certain industry or certain people? Um, is your project is far from that? I don't. I don't say that fundamental science is bad. Um, I, I really love fundamental science. Um, there's. I believe that there's always a rational why we are doing all that work during a PhD, mm-hmm. uh, even if the rational is in fifty years or one hundred years. <laughs> um, but there, there should be a rational um, of doing the things. Uh, the rational is curiosity could be curiosity simply because uh, we are exploring uh, during uh, during a PhD. So so this is uh, this is one part. But I think the main topic should be for something. Um, so it comes to my mind like if I'm doing a research or a PhD, it should solve a problem. Um, and this is this is something that um, that is important. I think I know exactly who you th- you're thinking about. This is important for companies for people who are hiring because they want people to come and be part of their teams and solve problems and 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 bring innovation, etc. And uh, so I agree with you that you know fundamental research uh, is. is it's harder to have this connection, but I think you can work your your storytelling to bring something to the table. But uh, it's interesting. I, I had Isabel Phillips and Dev Suchdev from uh, Effective Thesis, and they're all their whole thing is helping people who are looking for a, a thesis subject and even and a thesis to uh, to define research subjects that are impactful uh, for society at large and. If your project is going to have a direct impact on some aspect of society or economy or industry or innovation, then it's true that you know when people ask you, so what did you do for your PhD? It's going to be so much easier to convince them uh, that okay, this this has interest, this has application, and if it's something that talks to them much 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 mm-hmm. better. So I, I agree and and I understand what you're saying. So it's like. You're making it easy on yourself later on to to convince someone that hey, I'm the right person for your team because I'm a an objective driven person and uh, and uh, I, I you know what I do I wanted to have application. Um, this is exactly what you said. Like like, but of course, all, all, all this uh, applied science, all these uh, topics about applied science cannot work without fundamental science for sure. Um, but yeah, the, the when when you have to write your CV, you need results and you need something that is concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's related to the impact. So the impact you you would like an impact for the to the society. I think I think it's very important uh, with your with your PhD and your research. This is required by the society. I think um that if we if we pay for researchers uh, all of us uh, it's it's uh, it's for the society and and it's one of the pillar of the academia it's it's for making things for the society i agree and someone i know uh, mm-hmm. did his phd at cancer uk and you know they're working on really small things like it's not so easy to say exactly like my project is going to give this 
But each year there was one day where the labs would open their doors and they needed to talk about their research to to the the people who gave donations or etc. And I think it was a great exercise. And what I want to say with this is even if what you work on is very tiny, it's a very tiny piece of this big wall, if you train yourself to take some a few steps back and be able to say hey i work on this little piece but look at the puzzle that i'm you know that i'm part of then you can kind of also get this this positive effect of of uh, showing that what you do has application even if it's not direct yes and i, I will take this opportunity for a challenge like explain what you're doing and how we change the society uh to any kind of people like vulgarize your science, like making your science um, available to everybody. Uh, it's a good challenge, I guess. And this is how you can have another kind of impact to explain what you do and how it would change the world in, in the next 50 years. So, yeah. I, I agree. And uh, just to finish, because we're reaching the end of, the end of the, this dojo, you know, we were talking about not saying yes to everything. One thing that I've seen and that I think is is flourishing and and is really working well are these uh, my thesis in uh, ninety seconds or th those types of uh, competitions. Mm -hmm. If you get a chance, do that because it's going to be great. You're going to learn how to you, you're going to be forced to learn how to popularize what you do in a short amount of time. And plus, you're going to have this opportunity to meet with other young researchers in different domains. So it's kind of, it kind of encapsulates a lot of what we've recommended here today. But for this idea and this uh, skill of uh, talking in a very concrete way about what your research was about, even if it can be very abstract, these types of, um, uh, of, of uh, events and of uh, competitions, etc., a really good setting, and uh, I would recommend that you say yes to to that whenever the opportunity arises. Yes, you're you're completely right. Um, I think that's a that's that's a good word to finish our dojo today. <laughs> so go to the yeah. I, I really love this competition, like watching the people three minute thesis competition. It's uh it's a lot of work. <laughs> so congrats to the the people who's doing that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Gad. Uh this was great. Thanks for bringing another great question from the second lab. Uh thanks Matt for sending it. Uh as you saw, we we, we kind of it, it's not an easy one to grasp and to you know to go to the center of it because it kind of it kind of has different ramifications, but I hope uh, that that uh, in this uh, short conversation and uh, you know we, we touched enough points that you have uh, that you have uh, some some uh, leads to follow and to to fill those gaps of what you might not be doing. So thank you, everyone, and we are waiting for your questions too. Definitely waiting for your questions, uh, and uh, you know for, don't forget that if you are watching on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. This way you won't miss any other PhD dojos or Papa PhD interviews. And uh, plus, if you, uh, if you, you know, you're a graduate student and you like communication and you'd like to collaborate in, uh, in producing either the, the PhD dojo or the, the Papa PhD podcast, just reach out to david at papaphd.com. And I'll be glad to chat with you. Uh, be you know whether you you're good at audio, video, or or graphic design. Uh, uh, you know I'd love to uh, to have to bring someone in to collaborate. So um, yeah, just write me and, uh, and and we'll talk. So thanks everyone, and uh, see you on the next PhD. Thank you.
Bye, gars. Bye.